Welcome to the Well Podcast, where we hope to apply faith to life. We are four brothers and pastors. I am Sam. I'm John. I'm David Moon. And we are here to have a conversation we hope will be engaging, encouraging, and equipping for our church. How's everyone been doing? How's everyone the week? Long, uh, fruitful pastoring, I think. Uh, I think this has been a time where a lot of uh, people needed, um, I think, personal, the personal touch in terms of pastoring and relationships. So uh, it really felt good to be with people again, um, not just focusing on systems or admin, but people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say uh, all of the above there, uh, including admin um, for me, but it's been really good uh, just spending time with my family, but also just our brothers and sisters uh, here at KCPC. Uh, this podcast episode is going to come out after the congregational meeting, but why is a congregational meeting important? What is the importance of it, especially as a Presbyterian church? Uh, congregational meetings have specific uh, areas of uh, sovereignty, I guess, that is expressed through a popular vote, uh, like finances or church buildings. And uh, it's important for the health of the church um, because the church is not, even though it's uh, Presbyterian, what that means is there's elder rule. It's not an oligarchy, and so uh, the the will of God is shown through the vote of the congregation of a church, and uh, it really encourages people to be mature uh, Christians who exercise their vote and their contribution uh, to a local church. And so it requires not just an A number, not just baptism, but also a meaningful contribution uh, through your own maturity, uh, spiritual maturity. And so like for those purposes, I think it's really important that uh, our church does this well um, and biblically. Yeah, I think one question that a church member has asked is they really do find congregational meetings important, especially voting. But I think one thing that they were kind of stumbling on is how can they get educated on some of these votes? They want to know what we're voting on particularly. Mm-hmm. And so what are some avenues or places that they could go to in order to get communication on some of these votes? Uh, because a lot of these votes are sometimes very seasonal and circumstantial by nature, uh, vision casting and communication have always been issues. Um, and so even this week, um, I know a lot of people weren't aware that we're going to have a congregational gathering and a vote. And I will be translating uh, directly from the screen, but uh, it is pretty unfortunate that we aren't being informed this time around uh, what the issues are. And I believe uh, like top-level communication along with uh, uh, involvement also is very important. Um, yeah, but what are some ways that we can get more informed? Uh, I would say like us as pastors, first and foremost, have to be informed and, and trickle down the communication to all the congregation members. But sometimes uh, even the pastors uh, are, are not informed as well as we would like to be. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe we can... I feel like everything we'd say, this can be a podcast episode. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> maybe the next one, like two, three weeks before, mm-hmm. we can get a notice from the session yeah. and maybe go through some of these decisions. In a podcast? In a podcast. Oh, I think that'd be great. great. Yeah. And uh, obviously we're not going to share people how to vote, mm-hmm. um, but uh, at least share information and even, I don't know if we can share perspective. If that is that a little bit too much? Huh. I think uh, it would be good to go over the biblical categories of uh, what things we might have to think of to 
to have a more holistic view. Right. So obviously not pushing people towards one direction, but letting them know uh, what categories to hold on to as they make these decisions. I think that's that would be a good pastoral responsibility. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's really good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's uh, plenty of uh, guides to these, like, annual congregational meetings, and there's um, all these templates and documents even online. And pretty much, I think as long as we go over what these uh, annual congregational meetings are and what they're all about, I think that will educate and inform the congregation. But here's a personal reason why I think uh, congregational meetings are really important. Um, on the in the initial phases for me personally, I, I actually didn't really think that it was that relevant for me. Uh, but as I understand a little bit more about these meetings, um, it's actually in, in a strange way contributed a lot to my own maturity in terms of like how to think about church and how to mature a church or how to mature in a church. Uh, a lot of these things and all the uh, the the whys and the hows of how our church makes decisions and how we can contribute uh, to the uh, dynamic health of our body, I think it's very, very exciting and important to do. Mm. We're going to continue on with talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Hopefully today we will knock out many of the, the lists here. And uh, particularly we're going to be going through crossing between Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, because each of these lists uh, have some that, uh, that are different from one another. And so we'll go through each of these gifts and hopefully share uh, a little bit more about what these gifts mean and also how they fit within uh, uh, just what it means for us to be Christian today. First one, ability to distinguish between spirits. What do they mean by spirits? I mean... Um, because the Bible phrases it that way, um, uh, like I, I would confess that I'm not really too aware of uh, uh, the actual hermeneutics or the exegesis surrounding that. Uh, but I do know how it's been popularized and talked about in in various uh, charismatic or you know um, uh, church settings. And they often say it's a gift of discernment, um, learning uh, or being able to distinguish whether it comes from God or whether it comes from the flesh, whatever it is. And so let's say like an extreme example or not extreme, but like just a common but pretty interesting example is uh, I used to remember like uh, there would be a person I knew uh, and uh, he would say when the phone was ringing he would be, and this was before we had caller ID <laughs> he would say oh don't pick up that phone because I don't think it's of God <laughs> and some people would say uh, that's too charismatic and, uh, but you know lo and behold if you picked up that phone like um, be- because I did it out of curiosity because he said no I wanted to do it more and it was a phone call that you know was, was sometimes troublesome and so I, I think uh, it is talking about some sense of supernatural discernment but we have to be aware that these gifts are not just supernatural, but also natural. And so natural discernment as well, not just like, you know, being able to fortune tell or being able to see, you know, where it's being influenced by, but also making philosophical sense of it. So, uh, and this is a huge can of worms that we might have to open later on. But when you look at CRT or when you look at current day movements, like, can you discern where that, where that worldview is coming from? What elements uh, comprise its engines? And I think some sense of uh, natural discernment is also involved when it comes to discerning uh, or distinguishing between spirits. Uh, but I think a pretty solid 
uh, answer that any denomination can get behind is uh, it's discerning whether an idea or movement or thing is either from God or of the world and of the flesh. I mean, I think a good question to us might be, you know, if people want this gift or if people have this gift, how, how should it be exercised within a church? Uh, when would it be useful? Um, so from what I know, like uh, gifts are organically connected to each other. And oftentimes the gifts uh, presume that you have another one of the gifts to be able to exercise another gift with more clarity. So for example, uh, the gift of discernment will obviously also come by uh, the gift of the, uh, the knowledge of the word, which is often showed in teaching, uh, teaching gifts. And so if you're able to uh, read into scripture and you're able to discern what the will of God is based upon the word of God, then that will often lead to uh, good discernment. And so um, if you have kind of like a sense of being able to discern uh, what is good, what is bad, uh, and uh, and if you're if you feel like you're relying too much on intuition or gut feeling, I would say to exercise that gift responsibly. Please be reading the word day in and day out. Please be praying to the Lord day in and day out, and also uh, be talking with people day in and day out. Because even if you have a very good gift of discernment, when you communicate it to other people, uh, very good communication skills are needed because it might sound too extreme to some people. And it might sound too just normal to some people. And I think it's in that context when you practice talking to people with the discernment that you have, that you're able to hone that gift to the degree that it serves the church. Maybe uh, some Bible passages might clarify some things here. First uh, John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so, uh, you know, the way that we see spirits is not some like, you know, I, I, hopefully our listeners are not like anticipating that they're going to see like ghostly figures or like Casper or whatever, but to see uh, the spirit of this age and whether that be CRT or um, uh, LGBTQAI+, BLM, whatever that might be, that they are able to test these spirits accurately, biblically, uh, gospel-centered uh, ways of testing these spirits. And in First John chapter 4, that entire passage, it really teaches you how to and why one should test every spirit. And the end conclusion is that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And then the reverse of that is that they are not from God if they do not confess these things. In fact, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. And so, yeah. I think Paul does speak about how we're not to be enslaved to the you know, elementary spirits of the world or, uh, or uh, the, the vain uh, philosophies of the world, um, but to be able to discern that. And I think a pretty, um, I wouldn't say like, uh, accurate translation but i would say a pretty usable translation of discerning spirits in our case might be uh, being able to discern philosophies of this age um uh you know uh, where is it coming from uh, what 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 thoughts are involved in uh, uh in a certain philosophy and being being self-aware of uh 
what comprises my own worldview, being aware of the elements that comprise my own worldview. And so discernment, uh, I think, is also often assisted or accompanied by uh, high self-awareness as well. Uh, but this is definitely, I believe, a, a very, very crucial gift to have right now yeah. because we're inundated by so much information, uh, so much um, news, and uh, we need discernment as to what to listen to. And a very good indicator is if it causes you to confess that Jesus is Lord, if it causes you to trust in Him more on a daily basis, and if it lessens your view of yourself um, and it turns you humble, that's a pretty good philosophy or spirit um, of the gospel, I believe. Uh, and self-aggrandizement or anger, bitterness, uh, if you're producing anti-fruit of the spirit, uh, then obviously uh, that's a misuse of discernment. Uh, next one, exhorting. I, I wish I had my laptop in front of me. Um, but from uh, basic knowledge is exhortion is uh, relying upon scripture uh, you're edifying a person next to you given the circumstance that they're in and so basically it's like a sermon um, but preached to an individual uh, in, in a very specific context and you using that word to edify that person to cause him to trust in Christ to cause him to fight sin and to um, uh, rely upon Jesus uh, in the circumstance that he's in. And so some of the aspects that are, are, are drawn upon from this gift is that, yeah, once again, you have to know scripture, uh, you have to know a good uh, biblical theology and how to interpret scripture, but also be able to see people's lives and know uh, what nutrients they need from scripture to be able to offer them uh, exhortion. Um, and exhortion is powerful because I think it's the most frequently exercised gift that people do. Uh, every soon gathering, there's exhortion going on. It's people um, uh, pushing other people um, in a hopeful way. Uh, hey, you know, like, don't be downcast. Hey, like, you know, uh, every cloud has a silver lining. And secular people do uh, exhortion. It's just, um, do you have the biblical foundation uh, to say what you're saying uh, with conviction? Mm. So um, everyone exhorts, everyone uh, encourages other people. Uh, but especially with the soon leaders, I, I'm really trying to train them. Uh, we need a biblical foundation to be able to say what we say with conviction. <laughs> and the only way to do so is, once again, uh, the gift of teaching. And so last class, I'm pretty sure I emphasized, I wish everyone had the gift of teaching because it's peppered and sprinkled into every other spiritual gifts uh, that we're going to talk about today. It's a beautiful gift. It comes from the Holy Spirit, and I wish there were more exhorters. Um, you, you can't have enough of them. Part of their function is to encourage us, and one of the things about an exhorter, uh, a biblically-centered exhorter, is that when we do find that we are in a position of weakness, uh, where we are depleted of our own strength, that this exhorter is present in our life to encourage us, to strengthen us, to become more mature and more reliant upon Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one who exhorts is one who has been exhorted himself by the Lord uh, through the word of God. And, uh, you know, a gift such as exhortation, I find that, you know, it's that kind of particular gift is a gift that is, uh, I think it, it, it's a mandate for everyone, that mm -hmm. we are an exhorter 
of some kind of philosophical truth. Uh, you see comedians do it. You see babies exhorting <laughs> uh, what they find to be most important. We are all exhorting. The thing about sin is that we are exhorting um, doctrines that are not uh, biblical, gospel-centered. And oftentimes, um, even when we think that we are, there is a lot of syncretism. And one of the applications that I've gotten from other ex ex exhorters is that I myself really do need to be humble to receive correction and rebuke. Not all exhortation is going to come like uh, very softly, gently, uh, although the um, uh, majority of it probably is. Uh, but I have been exhorted uh, to see Christ, even in uh, moments of uh, being caught in sin or weakness or uh, being giving uh, my sufferings way too much credit than I do over the gospel. A funny story comes to mind. Uh, I was at a retreat where I, I taught on the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I encouraged people to ask for the Holy Spirit's gifts. And the sister <laughs> was praying, Lord, please give me the gift of extortion. <laughs> it's like, no, extortion, extortion are totally different. <laughs> you don't want to be extorting people at church. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry for that. <laughs> I think three of us, I think John Yoon as well, uh, we, we all love, uh, our, our love language is that we like words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. And so, listeners, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> Next, working of miracles. I think the momentary silence we had on this kind of speaks volumes as to uh, the nature and the degree of our exposure to this gift. I don't think uh, I've seen this in action too often. I mean, working of miracles, uh, first of all, we have to identify what a miracle is. Um, I would say people accepting the gospel is the most supernatural act possible um, that happens. And so um, when people hear the word and uh, they believe in Jesus, if we count that as a miracle, then this is a very daily gift <laughs> um, or a very regular gift. Um, and so I, I would want to look into the actual, you know, uh, Bible studies surrounding this to find out what it means by the working of miracles. But my hopefully biblical impulse is telling me that it's more related to the apostolic gifts, um, uh, miracles, which can't be explained by the natural, uh, but purely supernatural uh, and it's miracles exercised uh, for the purpose of gospel uh, spreading. And uh, and probably also, I'm guessing that this involves sign gifts, which points to the legitimacy of uh, the, uh, the truth of the gospel. And once again, I think I tried to clarify that the apostolic office and its gifts have ceased. Um, and so... The scripture and the message of the gospel no longer has to be uh, vindicated or justified anymore through works of miracles. Um, and so that's kind of like what I think we see in countries where the scripture and, and the Bible is just so widely available. Uh, I don't think we see uh, too many miracles happen in, uh, in person like that. Uh, but once again, uh, I think we do need a biblical understanding of what constitutes a miracle and work from that up. Yeah. What I find comforting, um, though Paul lists uh, the working of miracles as uh, part of the variety of gifts uh, from the Holy Spirit, he actually himself is a bit vague on this one. 
because um, the working of miracles can include day-to-day things. It could also include all sorts of different uh, amazing gifts. Regardless of it, uh, I would say that without the context, a uh, miracle can quickly turn into a show, uh, a performance, uh, a magic trick. And I've seen that. I've actually seen people you know, proclaim things and then at the end ask for money. Uh, in services. Uh, that's the out- gift of extortion. <laughs> yeah, that's the gift of extortion uh, or the curse of extortion. And it was actually uh, in DC. Mm. And I was surrounded by, you know, the intellects of DC. And I, I thought everybody would, who would buy into this? And they all did. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. And, the, uh, and, and the preacher did not open the Bible. Not even once. In fact, I, I was so offended. I, I remember exactly what he said. Look, listen, this is what he said. Look, listen, uh, I can open the Bible just like any Bible teacher, but I'm not going to do that today because I've got something to share with you that's new and fresh. And he, he talked about how he witnessed people growing limbs back, growing arms back, and that's why I need your support to do this more and more. It's like, friend, if you can grow back a limb, you don't need my help. Uh, you did that without money. Um, and you should be in a hospital. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Healing people. I think that what I love uh, about Paul is that all of these spiritual gifts, uh, there's a context uh, within the gospel and within also the, the time period of the church. Um, and so, yes, uh, for me, the way I see the working of miracles is the oxygen in my lungs, um, the faith that is mine uh, in Christ Jesus, that's a gift. Uh, raising our children in a Christ-centered family, uh, being able to serve. It's also a miracle for me personally, because I know myself, it's, it's wild that I'm a pastor. <laughs> that's a miracle. And... Um, yeah. Let me push boundaries here. And this, again, I think I appreciate this, the vagueness, and we're also kind of stepping out on a limb too because we're not fully informed informed <laughs> and immersed in this word and, 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 and such the context. How about, would it, would it also look like, let's say there is a counselor who's really good at talking with teenagers mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to mental health, but this counselor is able to really administer to them and share the gospel to them in such a way that it, really helps our mm-hmm. teens and mm-hmm. even or, or like a marriage counselor who's really able to and has a pattern and results in a lot of broken marriages coming together would that be considered a miracle what do you guys think so i mean usually uh we define a miracle as this the sus- suspension of natural laws uh involving an intervention of divine uh, power or laws and uh usually uh how I've come to understand the responsible exercise of spiritual gifts in today, especially in a reformed setting, is uh, the supernatural working with the natural, or is the Holy Spirit working through a regenerated person, which causes the natural supernatural. And so every single day there are supernatural events happening, uh, but it's supernatural in this case is defined as, once again, the outgrowing of the church, the uh, sanctification of the individual. I mean, fighting against the flesh is impossible. Uh, it's harder than growing limbs back. Like actually, having a person deny himself and love Christ is impossible. And so, if you have that counselor, for example, 
um, him being able to turn people to Christ and to overcome despair and suicide and and things like that um, and uh, and that's the Holy Spirit working in and through him but also utilizing his natural gifts like presumably his communication skills his intimate knowledge and love for people and more and more we become we, we see how this gift becomes a holistic gift where it's the Holy Spirit's action uh, involving that person's obedience also utilizing his natural gifts and uh, once again the foundation um, he if he exercises this gift well it has to be once again based upon the Word of God and not upon impulses that are devoid uh, void of the Word of God uh, so once again uh, just a quick summary do miracles happen yes um, uh, but once again we have to understand uh, that usually the nexus of the subject of a miracle performance uh, doesn't come from people uh, a person endowed with those gifts anymore it seems to be from the direct activity of the Holy Spirit working through people who are obedient at that time um, and it's usually, uh, especially when it comes to power gifts like this or performance or sign gifts, it doesn't seem to be consistently uh, reproducible. Otherwise, as I kind of jokingly said, I mean, healers, people with any gift of healing uh, should be all recognized as doctors <laughs> who perform this whenever they want or they need. And we don't see that kind of consistency because it seems to be that the Holy Spirit is working through people at that time with actors that he chooses. Mm. Um, and so there, once again, I would emphasize that counselor, uh, I would say, uh, needs more of the Word, needs more of prayer, and needs more of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the character, to be able to lead people into that. So uh, it could be miraculous, but I see a lot of natural um, uh, giftings working in there as well. In the strict sense of uh, these miracle, miracle gifts, uh, it seems like uh, in First Corinthians 12, Paul is kind of differentiating between miracle gifts to, let's say, gifts of healing. Because he's saying to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same one spirit, to another the working of miracles. And then prophecy and so forth. And one of the things that we can at least see, just trusting the word face value, that this was a little bit different from the rest. And let's just say that these were... Uh, exceptional, powerful, uh, then I would say that this is very extraordinary uh, and therefore rare, therefore rare. Um, and I think that's a good thing because we have something to trust and lean upon that is far more ordinary and still extraordinary, uh, which is the Word of God. Gifts of healing. Well, now there's a pattern now. <laughs> so, um... Personally, I've seen uh, once uh, someone being healed. And it's really hard to say that, you know, a gift of healing was exercised when somebody overcomes a cold, like Pastor John has one right now, and he'll overcome it. But is that a gift of healing or is that Tylenol just in the body's immune system doing its work? Well, we try. <laughs> so usually when we say gifts of healing, we talk to observable and measurable uh, external factors. So like an amputee growing back a limb, or you know a, a broken limb uh, coming back into place and I've seen one in my life which was in Korea and it wasn't that dramatic it was a person with a sprained ankle who was immediately able to walk again uh, after some prayer and some massage as well <laughs> um, so I think it follows the same line of reasoning that 
uh, when it comes to the gift of healing. It comes from the Holy Spirit, especially uh, when it is necessary to show uh, Jesus to that person, uh, especially uh, when there is limited access to the Bible, to the Word of God. Yeah, and another thing is with uh, gifts of healing, um, what I don't care about is the performer of that, you know, gift. I think everybody should pray for healing. Like if if you have a loved one that is uh, sick, um, I think you should pray for healing. I remember um, a while back at another church that I was serving at, uh, there was a gentleman that came to morning prayer and it was interesting because I, I didn't really see him as someone who is um, spiritually very inclined mm -hmm. at all. I, I thought he was just at best nominal, but his father had a, a terminal illness and that caused him to pray like no other. Mm -hmm. and. You know, I don't know how people might see that, but for me, I, I, I saw the gift of healing that day. Mm -hmm. uh, more than for the father, but for that uh, brother mm -hmm. who uh, saw healing one way mm -hmm. and God was doing something radically m miraculous in him too. Mm -hmm. a, a, a heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh. And uh, what was incredible was that this man was brilliant, incredible uh, intellect. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end, uh, he could not not need God. Mm -hmm. And he, I, it just seeing him pray every morning, mm -hmm. just crying out to the Lord. And whether um, that man received his answered prayer or not, I was witnessing a miraculous healing in his heart too. Mm -hmm. I mean, this one, it's close for all of us, I believe, because I mean, uh, in particular in this church I've had at least two very beloved uh, uh, family friends uh, lose their life to cancer and all the whole church was praying uh, day and night for these people they were very beloved servants of the church and uh, God just found it within his sovereign will not to intervene and let cancer carry out his course and uh, and we see divine mercy behind that. We do see the divine power, I mean, God's divine will behind that. But at the same time, I think this is one of those uh, areas where I've seen uh, usually uh, nature take its course uh, so much more often than I've seen a supernatural reversal that um, I, I myself sometimes question the usefulness of this gift every now and then. Uh, but then uh, in testimonies of people around me who have experienced wonderful healings. Um, something happens just like Pastor John Hong said, usually it involves the salvation of a person very nearby who's been praying for that person, that he comes into a powerful encounter with the ability of God to reverse sickness and uh, comes to place his faith in Christ. And usually it's accompanied by sanctification, deep sanctification of the person who's going through the illness um, evangelism and people knowing the gospel for the first time and so gift of healing never seems to be isolated uh, just for its own sake but it seems to usually accompany the evangelism or the sanctification of other people in the nexus of that event so thank you for the talk brothers and for the last remaining gifts it will be service leading 
tongues in terms of speaking and interpretation, giving, faith, and mercy. And that will be for next week's episode. So thank you, brothers. Uh, and we hope that this was encouraging and uh, really exhorting to you. Pastor David, do you want to finish this off in prayer? Uh, yes, we'll do. Uh, Father, uh, even as um, us brothers try to give the most faithful interpretation of your word uh, to your people um, through this podcast, uh, Father, there's also a sense of uh, fear and trembling, uh, hoping that we are not limiting your sovereign will. There could be someone being miraculously healed right now and miracles occurring in a certain person's families right now. And uh, me and my short-sightedness uh, weren't able to see how extensively you're working uh, naturally and supernaturally within our church. So, Father, I pray and ask uh, and I seek that if I have in any sense limited your activity amongst our church, whether it's natural or supernatural, uh, that you would forgive me and my short-sightedness. And we always thirst for your spirit uh, and we thirst for the gifts that he brings so that we would do ministry uh, to empower people to trust in Christ and to know the gospel better. So, Father, um, we pray that in KCPC uh, there would be good and uh, humble and mature use of spiritual gifts on a daily basis and may be infused with the natural gifts that you've given to us and also infused with this, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, the character that allows us to exercise these gifts in the most responsible way possible. May it be uh, for your glory. Uh, may it be for the gospel to be known and appreciated and for Jesus to be magnified. Uh, Father, we pray for um, the people in our church who may be crying out for God's special intervention and gifts in their lives. Father, would you be near to them, uh, come close to them, and would you engage in a dialogue with them centered upon the word, but also your personal uh, contextualization as you reach out into the depths of that person's circumstances, uh, would you personally heal, personally uh, engage in a conversation, reveal yourself as that person uh, dwells in your word. Father, we thank you. Uh, it's such a privilege to be able to talk about your word. Uh, thank you for giving us the word. Um, and in the flesh, Christ, we thank you for his salvation. Uh, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that concludes our time, and we thank you for tuning in. Please email any questions or feedback at podcast at We would love to hear how you have been encouraged and blessed. Until next time, bye.